and the herd ran in fear. And the dark ones, children of the worm, walked the streets in the day. I turned my head from the sight. The phoenix told me, this is as it shall be, but not as it should. The phoenix left me then. Now I cannot dream. I can only remember the signs, each one in perfect detail. These are the last days. May Gaia have mercy on us. 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Werewolf the Apocalypse, a review podcast. Hi everyone, welcome to another 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Werewolf the Apocalypse. <laughs> I, of course, am Bob, uh, trying to figure out my coffee regime here at the moment. Uh, and of course, I'm accompanied with today, um, we got Brennan. Hey, everyone. We got Nick. As always. And we got a special guest. The special guest is, uh, uh, I will say, a longtime listener, definitely keeping up with what we got going on. And a uh, hell of a guy. He's uh, very personable. We all get along with him and actually respect, well, we respect everybody's opinion. But let's just say he's brave here in this uh, rendition. <laughs> he's he's decided he's going to join us here in the pit and kind of give uh, give his viewpoints uh, as they occur to him. Uh, Enough beating around the bush. Solanum, hi. Welcome. Hello there. Okay, today what we're going over is the Valkenberg Foundation. It's the next werewolf book installment. Uh, it's right after Rage Across New York. And it, it kind of ties in. This is the story elements uh, that they chose to use the kind of companion with uh, the Rage Across New York. And uh, the introduction of this book, that's the story. Nick, what'd you think about it? It was uh, it was a new format. So they decided to go with a journal format for this. It's just notes from uh, Dr. Leopold Valkenberg, uh, talking about different patients that he's had and helped out go through what he calls lunacy, um, which seems to be guru who don't know their guru yet and somehow are failing to cope with the rage that's inside them, which is fracturing their minds. I'm going it's, to. It's, it's interesting. This whole book, especially this opening story, is about, you know, uh, Valkenberg himself. Which is unique. I do appreciate that because have you? I, I've not read a supplement yet where kind of the intro story was exactly about the content in the book. It's always been like to wet your whistle. Here's an example story. Here's something that relates to it, a different theme to kind of add extra to it. This seems like it paints the entire book in accordance of what to expect. Sort of wet your whistle, now dive in and, and know where this content comes from. Foreshadowing for sure. Uh, it's a newer. I guess, uh, more progressive, uh, you know, writing techniques that we see come into play here than we would normally see in the intro. One of the things that stabbed out in the introduction says that the patients who are particularly dangerous and violent and usually of, of multiple personality. Uh, a question I have here, when you were going through this, Solana, because you're, you're relatively new to werewolf, right? Yeah. If, uh, basically, I, do, I don't, basically, I don't know anything about it aside from through Vampire and playing Heart of the Forest uh, last week because Nick recommended it to me. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Nick. And that's for Heart of the Forest fans to know, including creators. We did talk about it. So <laughs> it's a tease. Uh, but what I'm getting at, Solanum, is that uh, we, as I told you, I asked you, uh, well, I didn't ask you, I was just basically saying what we want you to do here is at a mitigating point, right? In other words, we read the material. We love the material. We know we're going through it. We're reviewing it. But when we get to critical points here, like, for instance, that phrasing about them talking about a vicious, 
sort of person that they have in these uh, in this foundation with multiple personalities. Do you feel that this sort of uh, address what they're really trying to do? I'm not too sure. I thought the especially in the uh, story at the beginning, uh, they took a really uh, interesting approach about it with the uh, with the psychiatry and uh, early psychiatry specifically with dream analysis and uh, and uh, that stuff uh, worked really well with the uh, with the spiritual element, but. Uh, Multiple personality yeah. makes sense in a way, I guess, for for the characters to uh, basically uh, s- divide their uh, their subconscious into these uh, separate uh, separate beings for the separate beings that they are, and they can't uh, combine it into one because they they haven't been initiated into it. I think it makes sense in a way. As I said, my context for it is uh, relatively limited, so I, uh, I I can't really say if that makes sense in this setting. You can. You can. And here's why. This book has agendas, right? Any book that we review or read or that they even made, it's designed that anybody can pick it up. That's what they want. That anybody who picked it up and they know what role-playing is could read this book and get an idea of what it's for. And that's what they're driving home to. But there's a lot of shade that we have, meaning we're biased. We've we know the books, we know how they're based up, we know what it is. And so we were looking for someone who hadn't been inundated in what this product was to give a genuine opinion, i.e., by the time we get done talking about this, we're definitely going to ask you what you feel about this book and did it hit the mark to generate your interest or you feel that this was for the serious role player? Or was this only something only a real diehard fan could want to pick up, that type of angle? And that's what we're looking at here. To that end, Brennan, who does know Werewolf and has an idea, uh, the question I wanted to pitch is when I was just off of what he said, um, Slanim said, there's a point here where they're trying to point out multiple personalities. And one, I felt that it was a bit insensitive toward what that is because it doesn't really give you, the reader, enough to know the context, like Slanim just pointed out, as to, to what level. Are we talking about breed, auspice, tribe, and that they're, they're analyzing werewolves to define that as separate entities, each one of them? Is it talking about the breeds being spursed out? And how Lupus is Nahamid, like we just learned in Ways of the Wolf, and that that's a distinctive different thing? Or is it talking about people with an actual, the actual condition? And it's real, that there are, there are people uh, who do suffer from a condition where they believe they're werewolves, but aren't. Mm-hmm. And is it, is it trying to say that we're treating that, or are we driving it home? What was the impression you got? The impression I got was um, the, what the, bleh, the mental illnesses that are expressed in the, uh, in the lunatics, as they call them in this book. They're not they're not grounded in reality, right? They do use that same term, but every instance of it was fictionalized because we are dealing with these conditions stemming from becoming a werewolf, right? Which isn't real. Uh, There is some commentary you can make about drawing those similarities or using the same terminology Uh, from where I was reading this. I just took it as being a completely fictional account. Right. And as for the the usage of it, I think it does work because there is a, a heavy theme of duality in werewolf. Right. There has to be for whenever you are, li- are living your life as a normal human and then something else happens. So you're having to balance that you are now part human and now part wolf and part spirit. Right. And that that balance of it in this, I think, is a is a, explores the imbalance of that, the repercussions of that. I, I agree with, with the imbalance. And I want to point out. Um, you articulate that point just dead on with where I was going to, which is that this is fiction. Mm-hmm. This is context of fiction. When people talk about misusing a word or mislabeling something, 
we got to remember this book is written from the context of a werewolf that could arguably be considered too one-sided in their thinking. Um, I believe Valkenberg described himself as being a late bloomer who went through and got his education, his degrees, and everything else before he became a werewolf. But because he did, he was able to compartmentalize his rage and who he was with the condition itself and chose to open up this Valkenberg Foundation to study that condition and see and see what it is, i.e. science is superior, sort of the weaver in excess is what I got from this, which oh. strangely isn't a focal point. And I really felt strongly this book, it is, right, as I, as I was going through it. But I'm a little ahead of it. Uh, to kind of shed some light on this, Nick, uh, help us out here. What is the actual Valkenberg Foundation? Well, the Valkenberg Foundation, um, as you were saying earlier, was started by Dr. Leopold Valkenberg. He got together a handful of people who decided to, to find these people with these latent lunacy and, and bring them to this place and, you know, piece by piece, help them through via psychoanalysis and other tools of, you know, a more modern science to discover their guru heritage and, you know, help the, bring them back together. Whether they were lupus or Hamid or, or whatever method they used, uh, some of it involved as much as doing guided dreams uh, in helping them through and things like that. But they all accumulated in this neat little uh, facility out in Wyoming uh, that is the Valkenberg Foundation. Now, what's interesting about the Valkenberg Foundation is that they target these so-called lunatic gurus. They keep referring to them as, but they also talk about healing them, right? That this is, so if you're a werewolf and you have a sept, and you have somebody who goes through the first change poorly. Either the Ken Fetch didn't get to him in time and, you know, report that, hey, you got a new one, come guide him through their first change, or what have you. This is targeting people with issue. Like, they just adapted bad. What are some examples, I guess, off the cuff, you could say, um, let's say you are a la Teen Wolf, and you learned Glabro sooner than you should have, and you're running around <laughs> playing basketball and doing whatever and doing all this nonsense, and it really is ripping apart the veil, right? And you're, and you're doing that whole Michael J. Fox thing where, hey, it's pretty cool to be me, and it's causing problems. They might put you in the Valkenberg Foundation to straighten you out, right? That's just a, a fun little example that maybe that ain't the way to go about it, pal. You're not exactly trash, but we're, we're going to get you straightened out. Another way to look at it uh, could be, what if you went and ripped up like an orphanage in a rage mm. uh, because you didn't understand what it was, and you didn't understand the screams and the sounds and the sights? And you were worm tricked or sensed an energy or a smell that set you off. And this terrible thing occurred. And, well, that's, things are going to happen, right? Kids are going to be nightmares, the bail against question. But they didn't catch you. Nobody came and caught you. That incident happened, you escaped, and you're going through now struggling with what this change is. Well, when they come upon you, it's like a year later. And you've already tried to reconcile what this is and how it's warped you. And they would try to capture you and bring you back to the Valkenberg Foundation with the goal of cleaning... I, don't, I hate the term cleaning, but straightening you out, getting you to see what you are, what you're meant to do, and what occurred. Now, the problem here is that th this whole foundation seems to be built upon a series of issues, right? The, for instance, the theme of this book is that it's going to tell you a series of stories from the perspective of the werewolves that are in this Valkenberg Foundation, right? The stories are all uh, designed to, well, to let the players sort out the problems this foundation has. And it's a, it's a mystery. It didn't always have problems, but suddenly it is, and there's a reason behind it. Things being brought to a head. And that theme is based on lunacy, flat out. 
this book out the gate talks about that there should be a level of of madness that people feel that goes through here. This is the Lon Chaney Wolfman film is one I cite here, and I very much agree uh, with this. It's focusing on the rage and the violence therein, but it needs to be, well, it needs to be neutralized. A way for someone to find a sense of calm and to get used to it. Someone who believes they're cursed with lycanthropy. But at the same time, there's challenges of other werewolves uh, who are near here. Another sept, in fact, doesn't agree with this foundation at all. And that's the unique thing to me. You have a werewolf who is Gaian, who's tending to it, believes they're tending to somebody with, uh, with mental illnesses. And they're in opposition to what your typical werewolf sept would be handling it. And so to that end, we're going to roll to our first story. If you don't mind taking that away there, Nick. Just to take a stab at it, what are we looking at? Uh, the first story we have is called When the Wolf Bane Blooms. Uh, the main theme of this story they have is, for, is, uh, is loss. And, uh, and they try to, to keep a mood of, uh, of tension leading to sorrow. Uh, the idea is to get the players to think when they encounter uh, these, these lunatics that that could have been me. Any other given situation, maybe my change didn't come right. And that could have been me. Uh, so the the story starts out with the characters um, either continuing up from where they left off in the last book at the at the Sept of the Green, or or coming in as a whole new group of new characters in a completely unrelated way, uh, heading out to the Valkenberg Foundation uh, in search of a lost theurge named Graveseeker. Uh, they go and they meet this uh, this fella, and his mind is shattered. Um, they uh, portray him in a very creepy way. Um, a lot of uh, twirling mustache, brooding, and uh, you know, and grinning and offsetting nature. Um, it, it to you know get your characters or your players all wound up, um, and then uh, and then they they end up meeting the the founder or the the new person who's running the Valkenberg Foundation, who's not the original doctor, but his great grand or his granddaughter, not great, just normal granddaughter, uh, whose name is also Valkenberg. And she's a, she's a kinfolk at this time, not a guru, but she's a, she's kicked back up and, and is leading the cause. And, uh, and they had a pack who whose kind of job it was to go out and find these lunatics and, you know, safely escort them here, you know, where they can be helped. But some bad stuff happened and that pack is no more. So what they, what they want to do is they want to get this new group of, of young guru to help out. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe willing to take up the cause and they're willing to bribe them with a, a treasure chest full of fetishes. If they're <laughs> willing to take on the cause. <laughs> and, uh, so they, uh, you know, they, uh, they, they tell you to push your players to, to do this. And, uh, and if they don't, then I guess, uh, good luck. Your story's over. Um, <laughs> no more, maybe <clears throat> pot hammer them harder into it. But if they do accept, they they go to a rite of initiation. They become the uh, the questing pack, and uh, and kind of you know go through that process. So this story it, it really relies on uh, on the storyteller throwing some hard things at folks, right? Like uh, you got to nail some emotional cues to bring the players in for emotional investment. Otherwise, they're not going to accept the quest for anything less than you know the coolest fetishes and maybe some some pimp honor and renown. Um, but uh, it's a it's a it's a bit of a nightmare for for a beginner storyteller uh, because uh, it requires a lot of flexibility, adaptation, really sticking the landing on those emotional cues. Um, 
in order to make it sail smoothly. What were your guys' thoughts? We'll pick on them. I'll do it. Um, Brennan. What were my thoughts on it? Uh, I wasn't, I, I didn't particularly care about the, the thing that stood out to me the most was how, I guess, on rails it seemed, right? But for a module that's written, I don't, I've never seen a good way for someone to write uh, a very open-ended module like that. This is like, if this is the storyline players are going down, then, then here we go. If not, well, we have a setting for you. We've got like a world. Uh, you guys can take it from here. I, I've also never been, I've only played in games where they ran modules a couple of times. I've never seen it go that way, right? As the book lays out. If someone always deviates from somewhere and the storyteller starts telling their only story from there. It's just at some point along this way, you're going to have a jumping off point. Uh, as as far as the, <laughs> I did I did find it was a bit ridiculous for the the fetishes to be used because I felt like you were bribing the players to do their duty, right? That's something I always feel when I'm playing a werewolf game. Like I have a duty to to serve Gaia and help the Guru Nation. I, I feel as though if they're like, hey, here's some nifty fetishes. I'm like, I is this illegal? Am I gonna go to jail for this? <laughs> you think, you know what I mean. <laughs> Don't ask questions. <laughs> Take the halogen spotlight hot rock. Yeah. Now, that being said, Elder comes up and said, hey, you go find this escapee. I'll give you the silver sword. You bet your ass I'm going to go find him. But uh, I might not feel good about it later. Yeah, there's definitely give and take here that uh, kind of gets laid in the lap of the questing pack, right? Which is the whole point of the adventure. Yeah. Is forming and accepting the questing pack and kind of convincing them, yeah, you're here and you're going to get paid. But uh, I guess you don't pay werewolf in money anymore. <laughs> it's just not going to get the job done. <laughs> got to play. You got to pay him in that sweet, <laughs> sweet fetish love. So, so what I got to say then to that, you know, Solanum, do you feel that it's? Uh, do you feel, would you feel like a werewolf if they said, "Hey, wherever you are, you're. Uh, we want you to run out and collect these lunatics, and we're going to pay you not in money, not in hugs, hard earned possessed items. That's right, fetishes. Yeah, and. Uh... Fetishes of the last pack who died uh, while fighting uh, giant space bees or whatever. Oh no, that was Futurama. <laughs> uh, but, but it's it's similarly vague, uh, vague, and uh, I, I don't know that that seemed a bit bit bad taste. Uh, and, and there's nothing written in there like how how that pack uh, died, which would be in, in. I don't know if I was playing that. That would be one of the first things I would ask. Uh, but but what I noticed is uh, there there was an immediate disconnect because this is the uh, the start of the story for the players, but uh, you have the book, you have the uh, backside of the cover, you have the story in the beginning and an in introduction uh, chapter about the foundation, all telling you okay this is about the lost cubs who never got initiated, and then the players get into this and immediately uh, it's uh, one of their cairn has has been lost he was initiated he's just gone mad somehow and he's not the only one there who's uh who isn't a lost cub it's basically i think 50 50 or so and th that was strange because the whole theme this uh this loss of identity uh you you have one with with the lupus uh and the uh, human part suddenly didn't resonate as strongly anymore like immediately <laughs> right it was it was a uh, like it diverted your attention a bit uh, from what they were going for, but but in here they they ramp up right. So like that first was the questing one, and we get to the the second one, and uh, 
this one here is uh, written by Phil Bracado. They were making a point to say that, and uh, I don't know why. It's just what they have in the book, which is awesome. Uh, but uh, it's titled "A Hostile Takeover," and a hostile takeover. I actually like the the slogans they used, the quotes: "Whoever dies with the most toys wins," and then whoever <laughs> and whoever dies with the most toys dies anyway. <laughs> I thought that was entertaining, right? Uh, because here they talk about the pack arriving in New York at the Central Park Cairn, and uh, basically, a series of events leads them to understand that there's sort of, uh, I don't, I don't want to say trouble in River City, but I want to say that there's a, there's a whole attack and counterattack that you're thrown in the middle of, right? It, th- it kind of throws everything off. We're talking about, is this, uh, what's, what's going on? Right, so you have this other pack that are survivors of this this Dark Runners group, and they're kind of over here. And in the middle of you talking or getting acquainted, these series of attacks happen, and there's a reason for it. But did did it include you? Right, is is what I felt as the as the pack that's there. They give reason for you to get involved, right? Because you're questing to find you know these lunatic guru that are apparently you know released, and there's one here uh, who's been kind of well, he's lost it, right? And uh, you find out this guy Masters is going berserk, running through. Uh, New York City, and you got to bring this guy in. They want him. They want him taken in, brought to the Valkenberg, and to well be healed. Uh, but here again, we have it to where it's 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 a weird orderly system. I guess is what I feel like. They say questing pack, but questing for what? Right. I feel more like this is Valkenberg's personal. Hey, they're off of uh, Wing D. And you need to go give them their meds. Bring them back here so they can take their their meds and get them evened. And uh, you know we'll resume and see how they can do back in the wild. Release them because they're special werewolves. So it's and more like a pack of orderlies. You got it. Okay. You got it. And it's <laughs> essentially it's it's interesting yep. viewpoint that they do that. But I always say you know it's like it's like a ninety three book. We can kind of add some leeway. It's there. Uh, but what is what is it they're driving towards though? I feel that they're really trying. Uh, to make it to where it's not always find and slaughter. That I had a heavy feel about. Um, yeah. Because it's like, go capture and bring back. What'd you think of that? I think in this one, um, they they go through that specifically. Like, they they demonstrate with the, uh, with the pack that you do discover that that was the questing pack before that got, you know, just smashed by this guy who apparently don't want their fetishes back. They're okay with that. And... Uh, <laughs> They, uh, but they're they're off to get revenge on this guy, of course, uh, for for messing them up down the street, and uh, and they go in hard, and they they get taken hard, right? Like there's one particular scene they set up where the guy's at a power lunch, and somebody just runs in in Krinos, and the bodyguards just rain silver on him until he falls over, and it's like, okay, well, going hard is probably not the right attitude, um, but uh, it also doesn't have a solid. Uh, solid contingency if you do go hard. Uh, but what I do like about this module in particular is it's the cure to what Brennan was talking about. This is the one where they stay off rails. They they have key events that key up that your players can go to or not go to. But at the end of the day, there's no determined outcome. Right. They have things they think should happen, things they think might happen, but there's no there's no hard and fast on this one other than the big boss fight at the end. Right. Uh, that's a, and that all cues up to, to a riot. And they have these guys called the, the Freddies, which have yes. 
which it's a gang of people with like Freddy Krueger gloves made of silver <laughs> that run around razor blading people. <laughs> I, I, I was hoping you missed it. I had it all highlighted. I was ready. I, was, I sat there and read that and I was like, oh yeah, you're all my children now. They quoted Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street 2 here oh. in the heading for the Freddies. And I just, I was simultaneously jazzed, shocked and went like, what, what are you doing? What is your possible <laughs> point? For what goes on, and honestly, they're just this psychotic group. Yep, they just wanted to they wanted to give the guy the potential to build some influence uh, in 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 the underclass, and and you know have something for the characters to wade through, which culminates in like this warriors level riot at the end of the at the end of the story, and your characters got to wade through it, like the raining silver and everything and all that bullshit to meet this guy at the end who's like, "You're not taking me back. I'll die before I go back." And by the way, the art. The art for that picture is amazing. I don't. I can't believe that guy did that with an airbrush. I I, I will say I will say it's good. Um, but other than the artwork, which um, I'm really curious how you guys felt about the renowned system at the end of the chapters. Pointless hasn't been mentioned. Well, okay, or, maybe not pointless. All right, it, it's it's a beautiful guide for your storytellers, but ultimately it can't possibly account for the decisions, choices, and discussions that your players have gone through. Uh, throughout the story right so it's a good guideline but it can't be comprehensive it's just interesting to me they have down here you know if you killed harold masters you get glory if you save the central park here from being blown up by him you get two thousand glory right and the money the number's outdated you know how much Mm -hmm. you get for it but i'm just watching the points just getting thrown around and i'm sitting here trying to wonder um there is clearly multitude of other things that could have been done that could be more important uh, than just that, because it seems like they're driving towards the point of this being through the renowned choices, um, dealing with him, but also stopping everything he'd cost um, on top of it. Yeah. And or anything that's left behind, it could be potential bombs and whatnot. And uh, it's sort of very loose, you know. I found that actually refreshing. That after reading this part and understanding they, they knew going through here, it was going to be much like you said, Brennan. And he, how do you control which direction they go? And they were like, well, if they hit these points, at least reward them, because that's what we wanted to do. But they're not possibly going to hit every one of these. Yeah. You know, just here's mm-hmm. here's the way we'd look at it. I rather enjoyed that. They even throw in some complications from the have. Yeah. <laughs> just as an example, there is a Tremere kindred that is supposed to somehow have a destructive confrontation with this guy masters that the players run into. <laughs> yeah. They uh what they're doing, it's it's not a it's not really a, a Tremere. It's um uh but they say they give you a spice cabinet at the end. They're like, if you don't like our gumbo and you think it's not to flavor, throw these pieces in because we think you're gonna enjoy the spice that this might add. If you're familiar with vampire, make this guy a tremere. If you're familiar with this, add this. If you like this idea, add this in. We didn't we didn't put it here because we wanted to make it universal and pretty ubiquitous, but these are all different types of anduli you can throw in. <laughs> now I really want to get to the next part because this is exactly this is precisely uh where I want uh Solanum and Brennan to kind of kind of chime in. Um there's an infamous chapter here that is the beginning of the end quite possibly the best werewolf villain they've ever made. I hope that's sarcasm. Samuel Hate. Nick chapter th- story 3 skins sir what is this? So the uh, the story is called Skins. the The theme of this is is revenge 
and and the moods rage. Uh, in this, <laughs> your characters come back from your beautiful place over in uh, in in New York, and they they get back to Valkenburg, and they're immediately told about this cool group of lupuses that have been cured. Um, and they're out in the woods, you know, just kind of balling around, having a good time. They want you to go out and say hi to them. Uh, so, you know, ideally, your your players will go out there and, and, and say hey to them. And then when they go out there, they, they meet these guys. But uh, really, the point of this is to get familiar with these characters so that the next time they see them, they find their dead bodies skinned alive or mm. skinned dead or skinned in some Our, way. Now we're going to hold up there. Solanum, I got to ask you, how do you feel about the, the main villain here? I felt it was somewhat misplaced in the story about lost lost cubs or uh, about well about uh, sick garu basically and the, the, that guy is just a uh, how would you say it a chided uh, kinfolk who who who's <laughs> who's angry <laughs> I, I don't know the, it was a bit strange I, I I I took notes first note I took was what the fuck. Okay. Can I can I finish laying down the details before we deconstruct? Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Not at all. Because this is how we're attacking it. This is just because this is more than deserving. As Nick tries to lay out the entire book and why read it, what I'm saying is okay. It starts off being nice with the Cubs and the lost thing, and that's very true. That's a point hit home. But we have Samuel Hate here coming from an interesting angle. That angle is that just like you said, chided kinfolk, right? He's jealous of his, I uh, believe it's uh, cousins, who did get the guru blood, and they shape changed in a nearby cairn, but he didn't get it. Mm-hmm. That's important. That started to hate, and he wanted to have it. And that's interesting, because uh, I believe, Solana, what you just said was, it's supposed to be about sick werewolves. And we're, we're coming up being, we're the orderly pack, you know? What are we, we're called in to help this, but why they're called in is uh, something that uh, that Nick wanted to shed light on. Uh, and Nick, why they're called in to do what again? Just check in, check in on some former patients, see how they're doing in the wild. Oh, and surprise, they're skinned. <laughs> well, first they are fine, and you get to know them. Then two days later, you uh, they t- uh, you're the orderly. They tell you, yeah, go check again. Okay, so there's some outpatient yep. procedure that's about to start, right? So, Only they come in and they're dead. So from a story perspective, we started out on a high note. We had you know a module we just came out of, a lot of free flow, a lot of options. This one is clearly railroading you into one scene in order to amp up another scene, um, which is going to drive your players nuts. Yeah, it's 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 so railroaded. Um, it, it's something I couldn't. It shocked me. I remember that I had this book on my shelf forever and we played through this module once. And I remember encountering this guy from the storyteller and he received so much shit uh, from uh, from running it that it was it was incredible. And uh, it's because well, he didn't make the guy. Right. And I got to tell you, when I went through and read this, I, I owe you an apology, B-Wood. You're the ST, <laughs> and I'm calling you out. And uh, you're, he's my brother. I'm gonna, I owe him an apology. He listens. I'm just letting you know. That's from the bottom of my heart. We couldn't have known back then what it was that you read, but you were so frustrated with the players. Because let me tell you how a player group handled this. When you face someone called Samuel Hate, right? That's, that's, that's how he was pronounced to us. That's what he was. And we're vampire fans coming in to try Werewolf. This is the intro story. And as we're playing the Valkenberg Foundation, we're like, what is it, a Malkavian running this institute? Now we're orderlies hunting down crazy people? And it's just slamming home lunacy. We got to know all these. Th- okay, well, well, I guess we'll do the guy thing. We'll try to help out as we get through it. When we're set to check on the wolves, it's just what Solanum said. 
it slams you in the face. We go out and we're running with them and we hunt with them and they're looking like they're doing okay. We go back to second and hey, no problem. This time I'll bring like a ball or my bonar stick or whatever. And we'll, we'll all change the lupus and take turns throwing at each other and we'll play fetch. I get, they're all skinned. And right then you had the players like, it's on. We're all mad. We're all mad. And then he gets to looking around and he actually used the terminology. He goes, you guys find a weird thaumaturgic ritual. That's sort of on the ground. And we were all even back then going, what? Like, thaumaturgy. And he's like, by definition, by the definition of what thaumaturgy is. Like, okay. um, What's the definition? (laughs) Back then, we didn't have smartphones, right? There was nothing to pick up real quick and do it. You have to get off the shelf. You're like, okay, so it's thaumaturgy. It's magical. We don't hedge magic. Whatever, it's just hedge magic. And that's what he did. He goes, hand wave it. It's just head magic. In no way could they be referring to the Shamir thaumaturgy. And then I was like going, okay. So then I, in this chapter, jumped to Samuel Hayton Red. It's a thaumaturgical, Tremere thaumaturgy ritual. This guy's got paths of thaumaturgy, right? Legit paths of thaumaturgy. So it's not good enough he's a kinfolk angry. It's not good enough that he's got to hunt down uh, these uh, werewolves to skin them. It's where did this crazy idea come from? Now, I applaud that this idea is there to have someone who can do this as a kinfolk. I think that's a very powerful story. Don't lose that. I like, yeah, the the, the actual, I believe they call them skinwalkers later on. Or skin, skin dancers. Right and something like that. Um, they, this is a great ritual. It makes a great villain. Is the thaumaturgy required? Probably not. Is the, is the, great, the great hunter intro where he encountered a, he countered a werebeast before. It was a werebestet, a, were, a werecat. Uh, that he encounters and it, it doesn't get to kill it. Yeah. Right. It's this guy surviving the most dangerous things that you can come across. But then it talks about him hunting a kangaroo and the Tasmanian devil in Australia. <laughs> it talks about him learning from indigenous folks uh, in Africa when he tried to kill the Bastet and, you know, it didn't happen. But hey, he was learning from Wiseman anyway, learning the ways of peace and how to hunt. And he's, he's just all over learning things, and that's how he came across the thaumaturgical ritual, because in him looking, he happened upon a Tremere. Just Not just any him. Tremere. Found him on the street. What's that? Just found him on the street? He just bumped into him. him. Okay. Alright. Look, look, you're the ST, you tell that story. Point is, Samuel, he killed him. Right? <laughs> of course he, he did. He found him, he killed him, he took his book, and he was reading his thaumaturgical and his books. Blood. And his blood. Vast stores of, of, the, of the kindred blood that he has on hand. Yep. That he knew to drink, because why not? And he, he just drank the blood to know that he would become stronger for it, and it's true. He ghouled himself to be this amazing person, to know the thaumaturgy, to learn the paths, and of course to do this to complicated, fair, like... Banes were guiding him the whole time. Like of this course. level five <laughs> ritual. Uh, they have to guide him, because later on he probably does something with them, like, you know, he needs clothes uh, to have superpowers, or the ability to, to woo people with a, a trinket he's going to have around his neck. Fetishes are fine. But the most important thing is he encounters a BSD and kills it. Yep, of course. This is the thing I want you to know. He encounters a BSD and kills it and obtains a fetish that would make the BSD unkillable. So... <laughs> how? Because because it makes him unkillable. Yep. But then what the, how, what, how did he kill what him? It does, what it does is it gives him reform. And it works just like it does for spirits. When a spirit's torn apart, it'll later on, it'll disappear there, dissipates, and it reforms somewhere in the umbra. Yeah. Right? Just just healed and wakes up from a slumber. 
That's exactly what it does. I believe, which stands to reason. I believe you have to destroy the fetish to activate it, though. It's, no, it's kill the user. That's what it's for. That's that's why he had it, right? It would be a pointless fetish. You had to completely be destroyed to do it to do it would nuke the fetish, which means that he wouldn't have it, right? So follow that logic. If you destroy the fetish, it's done. It's not. It's it's that he has to die. Ah, the totally user has to have it activated. So basically, if it's activated on you at the point of death, which follow the logic. If I'm going to fight someone, I activate my fetish. They all mm-hmm. do. Every werewolf does. So, and I get smoked. He should have reformed later on with that fetish, but they don't explain how that went down. I think they. I, I think I know what happened, Bob. I'm pretty sure that BSD forgot to say swipe or no swiping before he died <laughs> or before he dissipated, <laughs> and so that left hate a wide open window to just snatch the fetish. Now he was planning that. It's that that would be a grand explanation. Um, but I tell you what, Nick, uh, let's do that uh, day in the sun there. It, does it say actually destroy? Because that makes it even funnier for me. I want to confirm that. Shedding the spear skin, necklaces, mummified snake, bizarre runes. It allows the wearer to reform in the umbra as if he were a spirit. The area reforms is random. Yeah, it doesn't really say. So, I don't know. So, it's interesting, right? Yeah. We'll just, we'll just say that. It's interesting. Uh, because knowing, knowing what it does and what it does, it basically says you're not killing Samuel Hay. That is the biggest problem here. And I think we can all agree. Um, they they built the stats of Samuel Hayden. He's not a powerful person. I hope not, because he becomes a guru the second you see him for the first time. Um, but before that, you know, like any any Arun you have in your group can easily stand toe to toe with him and win. But this guy's got a beautiful way of a get out of jail free card. And can he? he's booby trapped his entire house with uh, with Grandma Silver. And uh, <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, don't play in Nick's werewolf game because to him, Samuel hates takeable by an Arun. I just want to help you out. One, he's a theurge. Two, he's got a rage of eight. Three, he's got multiple paths of thaumaturgy to aid Ned fight. Four, he's a firearms of four, and all his ammunition is silver. He's been learning to hunt and kill Guru since hunting and kill Guru was a thing. He's just he's just the guy to do it. He's the 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 great white hunter concept. Going all over, hunting the biggest and most dangerous game, given what uh, Guru, former kinfolk, Gould vampire, Tremere thaumaturgy at this point. So I guess because we will see him in a later supplement, and this is the beginning of Samuel Hate, this is Baby Hate, who is unkillable. <laughs> right? We're just pointing that out. If you're unkillable, hmm. <sighs> Gonna, it's gonna be a little interesting. That's all I'm saying. There was one thing I was uh, I found strange about uh, a. It, I think it's kind of an artifact uh, to of all these uh, stories being written by different people. Like like in the beginning of this one, you you uh, have to meet the wolves twice, right in right in right in a row, and uh, that's. I don't know. A good storyteller would probably have you meet them. In in the first story, when you get to uh, get the tour of these uh, of the premises, basically, and they're like, "Hey, we we have lupus wolves uh, circling around here. You can go meet them if you want." And the players probably would right away. Um, and another thing is, Sam Hate is uh, jealous because his cousins turned and he didn't, but his cousins are inmates in the foundation and they are completely right. crazy. So why would he want that? If if it's basically only thing he's seen, so what you're talking about is is very valid, and we're looking at it from advanced role playing. Like the industry has grown, 
Yeah. This is me more than granting bomb and excuses for what went on when they were propping up this game. This is what a 93 book release. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I'm accurate, if my memory serves action was key for werewolf. It simply was vampire was even, even if you can imagine vampire back then was even more action bound. People knew mass combats and jumping people and doing whatever. Why? You have a large fan base of Dungeons & Dragons that are coming over to this, and they only knew to go through a dungeon, be the hero, face the encounter, we do it together. And storytellers only knew big, huge monsters to fight and take down. Like, back in the day, it was key to have an Infernalist with nine different paths in a strange dungeon, and the minions were mini-bosses and nonsense like that. And that's you could expect that, and you would find it, maybe. Or the prince was the super tyrant. Everybody had to chisel through his minions to deal with them and, you know, that oppression. But slowly, everyone starts caring about the psychological factors that make up a villain, that make up a character, learning what an anti-hero is and growing through it. Your movies take on a certain transformation as well to hammer this home. We got smarter books written that authors were taking in direction. All this is compacting it in an industry that's just constantly evolving, uh, meaning a demand as the audiences are maturing. Right? so. That's what you have going on. So that's the slack I'm giving. I'm joking a, quite a bit about this book because I'm not holding it to the caliber of now because I can't. No one could, right? It's frozen in time at 93. But it's interesting that we could turn back and look and that you, Solana, who never had it, can have that insight, which to me, I love it because it showcases that we're doing it right. As an industry and a community, we're doing it right. Better books, smarter demand, uh, better content, best content. That's all what we're driving towards. So anything new is going to be better than what was before. And that's what we can count on. This is hard evidence of that. Um, Now to kind of jump off that soapbox for a little bit, although I do feel that very much so. um, I'm going to go and shift to Dark Union. This is only an hour show, folks. So we're going to jump uh, to story five only because the rest of it is just ramping up to tell you what's going on. And we want to discuss it because in Dark Union, something interesting starts, starts happening. Right, because this starts with hope and it ends with a different theme entirely. The whole goal of this is to pacify the darkness, is what Dark Union says. Right? They say kid gloves are off. And Nick, what is going on with this story? And folks, be prepared. I'm not stopping him this time when he describes what this is, because you have to understand what they were trying to do with this book, and in this story, Dark Union, they they deliver it. The the mood for this story is discussed, and I can wholeheartedly say I was on board. Uh, this starts off with, uh, with all your players returning from yet, yet another story that they come back to the Valkenberg foundation, which is the start of all quests. And, uh, and once they get there, the first thing that happens is black spiral dancers on the horizon, like the armies of Mordor storm in the foundation. They come in and they're to, they're to lay waste to everybody, but there's one thing that they didn't count on happening. And that was one of the black spiral dancers is going to see one of your player characters and instantly be stricken. Love at first sight. What? I'm sorry. Did I miss somewhere no. in, in this pack? If, if go ahead. I was going to say, did I miss something in this module where the packs totem had to be like Cupid? Well, no, you didn't miss something. Okay. But if you were not a black spiral dancer fan or a book of the worm fan or of later supplements that do come out, when you go back and look at this, you appreciate this uh, because it is a derangement. They play with derangements that the BSD has, and one of them is that, because it's a sick fixation that their mind makes on someone at first sight, and they do it unto death. That's yeah. how it works, right? It's, just, it's, it's, it's interesting how they cause it to develop, but Nick, please continue. So, um, Stricken 
stricken by one of your player characters. Uh, she immediately returns to the leader of her of her pack and says, and lo, do I see a giant massive Wendigo on their way to come get us? We must get away now. And he says, I, we must to hell with this. We will kill them all later. And, and, and off they go. And your players are left there to pick up the pieces of what is now in a, a half burning, half destroyed uh, Vulcanberg foundation. And uh, and they try to get their their crap together, but uh, this uh, this beautiful heart shaped dagger is left uh, is left down uh, for someone to uh, to discover, <laughs> which is a sign as uh, as I uh, refer to it, <clears throat> and I quote uh, the Klingon love dagger of Who's Your Daddy, uh, because <laughs> this uh, this dagger is a ritual dagger for Black Spiral dancers that are in love to fight each other with to determine who's going to be the dominant person in the relationship. That's a, it's a funny aside, right? We don't, we don't really need to go over it. I mean, there's a lot of things we can do with this to, to make it crazy. So what they're leaving here in your doorstep, if you look at it from a lens of maturity, I'm going to ask you, it's asking a lot out of us, but let's look at it the lens of maturity here. Um, so this dagger's left around. It's the love dagger that lets you know of the deep uh, torment and or psychosis of what you're dealing with. That's the important thing. This book is nothing if pointing out what? Lunacy. Yep. It's promised that it's holding to that. This is no different. That even the Black Spiral dancers, especially the Black Spiral dancers, have an odd culture that you have yet to see. And this is the first glimpse into what that could be. And so they have a weird force dominance love triangle, Klingon love dagger of who's your daddy that they that they leave behind. All right. Now to your players right there that's enough of, of any story to make a wise pack need to seek counsel, right? You saw Black Sparrow Dancers. That's a huge thing. They left the weapon by you and you didn't attack them. What's going on? You, you may need to get some stuff done, but what, what happens? What, where does it go from there? Well, they end up calling a secret meeting and, uh, and Lishta, the, uh, the, the wonderful maiden struck in, uh, by your, one of your player characters, she doth come and try to arrange a meeting between your pack and the and the Black Spiral Dancer pack, and uh, provided your characters head on out into the woods of the of the worm and uh, and have a sit down. Uh, they'll discuss. They'll discover that they both kind of have the same goal. Uh, the Black Spiral Dancers are not happy with uh, with these banes that are apparently possessing the 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 orderlies and the doctors at the Valkenberg Foundation and forcing them to take them down in the basement. And do terrible, terrible experiments to them, which is only making them incurable. So to define this a little more, I'm mean, actually to ask a question before I dive into that. Solanum, what do you think of Banes when you read them here? Did you did you know of the term before? Did you come across it? Well, I've I've heard it uh, specifically in vampire relation to Kupala. Uh, r- reading it like it's here, it sounds like uh, evil spirits uh, basically driving people, taking influencing their actions in a bad way that, that's exactly mm-hmm. that's exactly what a bane is it's to every action that anyone ever does a human or could be otherwise uh that elicits a, a response of trauma typically um is going to produce a bane if it's to neutral or good it's just a spirit it's as it should be with the animistic approach that they have in werewolf and these beings in particular are nasty but i want to point out something 
the Black Sparrow dancers, why they're attacking the Valkenberg Foundation is probably the most important key to what they're saying. It's a place of healing. The Valkenberg is a place of healing. No matter what, this place is where they're bringing broken cubs who probably would easily join any BSD hive pit. You know, if they, they come along and say, hey, you're lost. We got a home. Come with us. We even got a Klingon love dagger to see which <laughs> girlfriend's going to be yours. Right. Yeah. And what do you mean? No, they're going to fight you and see if they like you, you know, whether you're whether you're the big spoon or little spoon, they'll figure it out with that knife. And that's just how it's going to go. And uh, they can't do that because here's this special place that's healing them. And so they're here to wreck it, except when they come here to do it, they're noticing that these experiments are problematic because these puppeteers, Banes, aren't just, they're unique. They're not making Fomori. No. Nope. Right? And a Fomori is when they pos- a Bane possesses a human wholly, and it warps their whole body. They bond with them spiritually, and they become these mutated servants of the worm, right, that are now very much physically manifest. These guys are sitting back doing exactly what you said, Solanum. They're urging them uh, to take, well, the victims in this place, and because the guru can regenerate so well, they're harvesting organs and trying to plant them in other people to see if they can create new minions to figure out that gap, and they're doing it through a very brutal way. And it's only making matters worse. And to the Black Sparrow dancers, that's, uh, well, that's no bueno. Now, interesting. When you think Black Sparrow dancers, Brennan, what are you thinking of? I think of of these almost like broken or twisted individuals. And I mean, twisted in every sense of the word, right? Not just physically, but, but like mentally, emotionally, people who are literally trying to destroy the world, right? For their crazed, uh, well, I guess in this case, totem, the worm. And here they're showing something that a lot of people will, uh, well, they'll be haunted by it because the future supplements, they back up what's going on here. Even I myself, when I read this firsthand um, and just doing the review going over, I was like, man, what are they thinking? BSD is supposed to be the enemy. They're the enemy. These, these are never the good guys. What is going on? However, the worm eats itself, and people forget that. The worm has many faces, and they do not sit down and have meetings and discuss what their plans were. If they did, we, we, if we as worms would be screwed. The apocalypse would happen a lot sooner, you know, an army like that. But the worm is mad. The worm is insane. The Weaver did this. We know this is Guru. Maybe it's a way of survival mechanisms or whatever, but the writing in here is subtly good uh, for it, in my opinion, because it broadens the fact that, okay, we got these werewolves. They got this weird mental disorder thing going on, but where the players coming in after seeing everything they have up to this point, they're now seeing that it's almost hopeless because when they should see the enemy and it should be kill and it should be Krenos and it should be handle your business and take care of it. This is the big dance we were waiting for. Uh, you learn that there there might be something else going on, and and what is that, Nick? Well, what they uh, what they slowly piece by piece discover um, through the through the help of a fellow named Helms, who's a who's an assistant for uh, Miss Valkenberg, is that uh, this Gravesley guy, uh, Graveseeker, uh, or Gravesley Gravy Gravely Gravely Graves, um, whichever <laughs> one he is, he um, he's the uh, he's the guy we met, you know, story one. Sitting in the uh, sitting in the cell, you know, totally playing uh, like creepy games with the pack. Uh, as it turns out, he is possessed by a spirit that haunted no less than the original Valkenberg himself, and has been slowly ministrating this whole thing uh, piece by piece as these puppeteers come along and uh, and slowly create these these terrible workers who do terrible things. 
and it leads to a culmination of a of a run to to the Umbra. You better run to the Umbra. And uh they go there and he summons a Nexus crawler, at which point everyone <laughs> takes two steps back, says, Oh shit, let's get the rest of the pack, because it just got real. So we'll call that an off the needle off the record moment. Everything so far has been takeable. Mm-hmm. Yep. Has been very doable, including the BSDs, which seem to be the largest challenge. I'm not calling encounter level anything. What I'm saying is the story builds up to this point, and the drama for the scene is supposed to be this dude pulls off the inevitable. If if your players don't attack the BSDs and they listen to him, that's huge thing number one. Yep. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Now, as they do that, the storyteller is supposed to pull up every prejudice possible. You can tell they wrote it that way. They're supposed to say, screaming at them, these are the white howlers that got corrupted. They're the white howlers no more. Yep. You were told the story that should never be uttered. That, you know, they they did by firelight dim down to scare cubs into what happens when you, you know, follow the worm, so to speak. And here they are. And you're looking at them. And you, one loves one of the player characters. And now you're questioning whether or not, if they can experience love, are they truly lost? Because Gaia is love. That is, that is what that's supposed to mean. Is it a redemption thing? Is it not? And as they're tripping fantastic through it, you should have an iron or two going, nah, it's initiative time. We kill the worm, giving your philodox time to go, wait a second. If the BSDs are telling us the worm has betrayed them, that's a door to redemption. There's a chance, right? That's what they're trying to elicit, to give the players, to give them a chance to prove what they're doing. Maybe they're waking up. Can you redeem them? One of the most powerful stories you can tell is when the bad guy becomes good, right? That's where I think this actually falls short. It because they don't become good. Right. What they do is they become a footnote pause for a reason that I, I can't really figure out. Right up to this point, I'm like going, great, we have a challenge here for the players to do. We have everything going on. And then this guy pulls out the Nexus crawler. Pound for pound, I can't think in print of anything worse than a Nexus crawler that a pack has to face. As to, as to how powerful it is. And just, it's it's devastating. Can it be defeated? Of course it can, but it usually takes a lot to do. Your players at this point may be experienced, may not, but that's they're, they're not facing it. It even highlights out how the BSDs are going to have a go at it. Mm-hmm. Right alongside the players. It takes a bit. But then there's dramatic points. And one of the dramatic points that doesn't... I don't know, because when they're dealing with this Nexus crawler, they turn around and this guy gravely, apparently, is able to open up a portal. Yeah, already standing you know, in it. He uh, <laughs> immediately the Nexus crawler like jumps in, and everybody rolls their initiative die. They get gung ho. I'm gonna blow rage. Extra actions, extra actions, extra actions, and then they're like, "Okay, cool story." But gravely turns around and starts twirling his fingers in the air and humming along. And another portal starts opening up, and God knows what's gonna come out now. Who who knows? The the big evil is is now stepping through. Maybe it's the creature from legend. I have no idea. You know, it's uh could happen. If could say so. If not for for one particular thing, Bob. Lishta, our love struck right. black spiral dancer, she will turn her eye to the the person who has adored her the most, um, which could be your player character, because in this story, your player character could have said F off so hard that she was heartbroken. And ran back to Big Daddy Alpha of her pack, and he held her close and said, "Don't worry, baby girl, it's gonna be all right." And and if that's the case, she'll turn her gaze to him. If it's your player character, she'll turn her gaze to them. 
But either way, she gives that that slow wink, that no way wink of it's all for you, baby. And then she runs, dives in the portal and bloop, out goes the lights. Now, my hope in this is what I've seen every player character do that has accepted the challenge of having a love interest for an NPC in diehard moments. We talked about falling on the sword before. This is a fall on the sword moment. You go in after and that's what you would like a player to do. No, oh. like you see, like you see her go, it's for you. And she turns to dun, 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 dun. She's running. And then all of a sudden you're Arun mid fight, the Nexus crawler spirit of the fray. Take all my rage. I'll dive to save her me for you. And then pushes her out of the way to fall in and suffer her fate. And I, I so want to tell that just to watch her as she hits the ground and sees you die, her to be heart-stricken, devastated for 30 seconds. <laughs> for 30 whole seconds. She's just, she's mentally BSD'd up, right? She's just like, I just loved him. We walked together and we drooled together and he hated me as I hated him. It was so beautiful and, and he loved me. And now, and then turns and looks at your pack again, sniffling. I, you, you really love me, don't you? To have it start all over again as the BSCs go, well, now that's out of the way and he's gone and Nexus crawlers are gone. I guess we're going to finish the job, guys. And it's on again, which totally reveals the insanity of the worm. That it's, you know, you, you've been hoodwinked. It's that's that that to me is a worm story. That's a you shit. To me, it backs up with the get the red. Ta- the red talons were screaming this, right? Valkenberg Foundation. Yeah, kill it. Yep. Why? To a lupus mindset. Why are you taking the mentally and emotionally damaged that you can't repair and you're trying to put them somewhere in a hope that's that's a human thing. That's going to that's going to backfire. <laughs> Why is it going to backfire? How'd the Impergium work out? Culling the weak is the way of the wild. You just cull it. Look, we're sorry. We'll catch you next cycle. Oh, 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 moon dead. Move on. How for their loss. And then, you know, hey, watch our cubs. Right. Watch our pups as they're born better. And to me, the red talons wrecked this whole module. Right? They're just like, hey, this is dumb. Don't do it. You know who else wrecks it? Get offenders. <laughs> yep. They totally wreck it. You know what Get's going to do? He's like, what? Oh, this guy's crazy running around the city doing stuff. All right. And they go and kill him. And they come back. Yeah, here's his fetishes. Yep. We're going to pay you in a fetish. Keep him. Why? You're the weak ones. <laughs> you need you can't seem to keep do. him in here, Doc. <laughs> exactly. They're going to counter. The Nexus crawler comes out and the, and the Get player goes, what I have played the game for. <laughs> Finally, something worthy, you know, and this dude's like something, something else. And to get might actually look and go, leave him alone. I want to see what else he's got. As this battle's going on, everyone's in it, you know, right. doing something, something crazy, something crazy going on. What are you going to do? Also wanna... I'm going to, I'm going to grab gravely by the leg and beat the Nexus crawler with him. But that's <laughs> not how it's supposed to go. That's how it goes today. I'm a get theory and I figured it out. You got to use a spiritualist to conquer his spirit. <laughs> gravely bat is what goes on. Or even my favorite, when the BSD show up and like, hey, we need to talk. And just, it's just one get. It's not a get pack, it's just one. And he's watching his alpha. He's watching him talk. And Phil X wants to talk. And he gets in the background and just starts, you know, sharpening his razor claws in the wall back and forth. <laughs> and they're like, hey, Bob, what are you doing? What do you mean? Don't look at me. <laughs> what? I know where this is going. He's, he's not walking out of here. You know that, right? Right. I'm your alpha. Give him a chance. Yeah, you're my alpha. You know what the litany is? You, you know what they did? Ah, this isn't going anywhere. Oh, but she chose you to love. Oh, I'm going to love you, baby. Get that dagger. <laughs> you, you need to pick it up. You're going to need that dagger. I'm going to love you good. Get it. Right? You, you want That's... a shot at the daddy belt? Come get some. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes aside, it's, it's redeemable is what I'm saying. 
I wouldn't necessarily follow that direction to the hill because I don't know why there's a Nexus crawler to stall for this guy. It's if he's not something needed. like it's not needed, right? Uh, for any NEST worth their weight can call small audibles along the way in the story to to move things along. If you have a get in your in your pack and he's just not having it, and you guys did fight the BSDs and you dropped them in that glade, so be it. You know, right of cleansing, moving back to the Vulcanberg Foundation, gravely runs off to the Umbra. Maybe he doesn't summon a, uh, a Nexus crawler. Maybe he just summons a couple of crappy Incarna. Sure, crappy no problem. Incarna. You don't need to crush your team just because they couldn't make friends with the BSD. And maybe right. maybe they talked with Helms and he was a shitty Shadow Lord and he was an <laughs> asshole. And your get just slapped him until it turned into a Krenos fest in the hallway. And, uh, and eventually he skulked away. You know, in disappointment about these these crappy uppity get. Sure, whatever. It's just a uh, we we move it along. Maybe Helm's not going to help out the party in the clinch moment. I feel as though there is a strong get bias in this room right now. <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be because I can flip it for you. I can go through every tribe. You can have yep. a Black Fury role playing her salt that's going to see this and understand innocence, loss, and protecting that that's needed. A chance to heal yeah. that's needed to a point. The moment it starts eating your victim or causing a problem to this level, you call the you cancer. You cleanse the whole place. That's what you do. She's she's a black fury. They get this, right? And what's cool about that is that when it becomes a love interest and it's a black fury, I love me a cold-hearted black fury bitch. It's like, oh, who do you love over here? Yeah, you're BSD. You're dead first. Because <laughs> you dishonor us. You're dead first. You're not. We're not going to talk about this. That's an equal problem, my eyes, as it would be the fanatic get offenders. She's got a whole tribe of history about why that woman represents as a BSD the very worst aspects yep. of what they're opposing and fighting, and to take it out right then, not later. And you know, red talents we talked about. You know, the guy a shadow lord would be. You need a you need a shadow lord in this in this questing pack who's willing to subvert and cut corners. You need a Uktena who's willing to sneak off and look in places that he shouldn't, yep. but try to find an edge. You need children, a guy who are willing to bleed and hard all over the place to make this viable. But you need one Fianna to sit back getting drunk the entire time, sitting there going, oh, we're actually going to go now and we're going to go and take care. Oh, we're talking to the BSDs, are we? Oh, that's perfect. I tell you what, I'm going to finish off my drink. And when I'm done, if we're still here, I'm beating the shit out of you. And we're going to talk about what is in the litany that you should have been obeying. And that's. <laughs> Oops, I spilt my alcohol all over you. Oh, I dropped my lighter on you, too. Shite. <laughs> right. I see your Fiat laid smacks all across the pack as you double back to go kill the BSDs there. Like, oops, we forgot something. Yes, you're deaf. And that's that's where this is all like, you know, you can go down the list of how you want to look at it. But this is talking about. I really feel this is a storyteller book where you sit down and don't tell your players you're playing the Valkenberg Foundation. Don't ever tell them. Right. Change the name. If you could do it, call it General Hospital. It doesn't matter. <laughs> General and Hospital. Then, <laughs> we're going to play General Hospital. Here we are. Let's play this game and sneak this in and kind of update how you deliver it. It's doable, right? We didn't get into every story because the other stories just culminate to the end, but we kind of want to tell you how they tapered it off to let you know, yeah, there's some stuff there. That could be of interest to an ongoing chronicle, like they mention it, in particular, attaching it to the New York Sept of the Green and, and going back and forth, too, is yeah. a good throw in with the material so far. But that said, I said I was going to ask it, turn it back to you, Solanum. This book, does it sound like it gives you a, a taste of what Werewolf is? And do you feel that it, it makes you as a player new to the new to hearing about it? Oh, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I want to do that. I don't know. I've. Um... It seemed a bit confused to me because, as I, as I said, the 
especially the first, the story in the beginning with the original uh, Valkenberg, you would really get his perspective. He's, he's kind of a healer. He's showing people the right way. He's even uh, healing humans uh, psychologically by uh, bringing them closer to nature in a time when uh, big cities uh, are becoming more and more of a thing. And uh, that's completely lost after that. And after that, the Valkenberg Foundation is, uh, is, is only negative. And in the, in, the, in the end, it's uh, really not redeemable. Uh, I, th I thought that was a shame. And uh, this uh, this very personal uh, introspective theme of the uh, well, well of the uh, mentally sick werewolves basically uh, wasn't uh, wasn't really done. But but uh, I I, ca I can't say if this is representative for werewolf as as, as I said. I I just thought it was you you never get to the honorable uh, aspect of saving somebody and healing somebody. Except in maybe the one story we skipped, where where that actually happens, and you get to you you get to somebody and uh, <laughs> manage to redeem them. But then again, that's not a lost cup either. <laughs> uh, right? She she immediately runs off to her own cairn. <laughs> uh, I I I don't know. I uh, I don't know where the uh, motivation for the uh, player characters in this would be and how how that how they would be driven to this basically and to defend this foundation which uh, basically all their jobs have been given to them by bane spirits ah. and then and they didn't notice yeah. so fair enough um brennan is there a way to redeem the book like based on what he said you're you let's say you wrote it you wrote the entire book felt that you met the challenge of giving world something to do with an experienced storyteller or even a new storyteller they would pick up this book deliver it and you hoped that it would land all the stories and content and everything you were trying to do with Werewolf. After hearing that from a first play test, if that was the feedback you got, is there a way to make this redeemable? Yeah, uh, at least in my eyes, if I were running this, I would I would switch some of the, the focus. I wouldn't necessarily change any of the themes and moods that are listed in any of the chapters. But what I would do is focus on the the uh, what I talked about in the beginning, like the the balancing or the imbalance of of like uh this humanity in this this new guru state that people are in right uh to give a more concrete example masterson he he came off to me as just like a very snidely whiplash like evil like super bad guy but he's supposed to be someone that is actually suffering right i would put more like uh <laughs> make him a tragic figure rather than a villainous figure right someone who can be helped because i think that is what that's more in line with the well the theme of the book overall fair enough fair enough nick how about you well uh i think solanum nailed it in the head when he said there's a lot of confusion in this book um there's heavy-handed ideas because i saw how heavy of a yarn you had to spin to make some things kind of make sense it, for new sts that would be running a module maybe that's too heavy of a hand maybe simplifying things is the right solution to spice this correctly for folks. It's it's an interesting thing. I also found there's a point of contention I had with the book that it was early on. I forgot about it. They listed it as a supplement, like 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 not as just a thing of stories, right? That this attaches easily to New York and the Valkenberg Foundation, even their epilogue here at the end of the story. Because remember, this tells you like five stories mm -hmm. yep. of what happens here. And then you could still redeem the Valkenberg Foundation, use it as an institute. Because it gives you maps and ideas and everything else that's going on. And it's a place your players can save. 
save and work it as they want to. In this with them, I agree. I think this madness can happen if the intent was lunacy out of this book. By you saying you're confused, they hit their mark then. That's how I see it. That if you, not confused and running it, because we all understood linearly what they were trying to do and going through and whatnot. But what it is, is like, if we're trying to say this Falkenberg Foundation is about broken werewolves, where where are we losing our point? I don't, I don't think they lost it. I think it highlights it up to the very end when you have to deal with the black spirals and even they aren't following the typical of what you expect from them and they're doubting the worm and they're, we're being double crossed and she's in love and the psychosis and where is it from and how the Banes are working against the worm or so the BSDs believe. And it's showcasing how the worm eats itself as well as everyone else. And that, and that goes on. The problem was the worm. That's what was here. That was the issue. And all these Banes infesting everything. And they get rid of it. But when everything's gone in an epilogue, the BSDs rip themselves apart. Like in the course of battle with the Nexus Crawl, their yep. alpha gets assassinated, I think, by their theories. And their theory just like, yeah, I'm in charge now. And then someone in the pack points it out. And he's like, yeah, we can do about it. They immediately fight. And then he's like, oh, takes off running in the middle of the fight because he doesn't want to die. Mm. Yep. And the rest of the pack flees, leaving one there to be like, hey, bro, thanks. It's good. But, you know, later on, I got to kill you. And they're like, well, we'll just kill you now, because that's the answer I and my players would do. <laughs> and uh, if, if the BSCs are still alive at that point, even. Yeah. And uh, that's they're glory hounds. They're going to do it. But anyway, taking it all in the stride and, and seeing it all in its full perspective, it's not to be a contrarian. It's to say that there would be a lot of work and effort to not reveal to the players everything that's in the book. That's why I said give it a new name. The way this works is uh, to occlude a whole bunch of information. They can't know they're going to face a Nexus Crawl, and I couldn't describe it as that, and I definitely don't use that label when he brings it out. You would have to add a story as to what the Nexus Crawler was, why it's there, and why that dude can just bring it out. You'd have to add signs that Deer just could study, and warning signs that the Philodox could see. The I, I, I agree with you, Sonam. I don't see how these guys walk around with these Banes influencing them, and no one noticed. Right? Yeah. They temporarily possess them. What doctor goes, yeah, 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 take out a spleen, and let's put it in Chanel down the hall. Who has a headache? Why are we giving her an extra spleen? Ah, just see what happens. Yeah, how about no? Because malpractice and illegal. And how about her life? You know, there's stuff to go in there that we can interject as STs to redeem it and, and make it solid. And maybe on a level that... No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> this, this was written... I can't say it. This is They give renown points for what they wanted people to hit at the end. And that's what makes it to where they're... We can't be nebulous. And say that, that, you know, there was an intent here. There was an intent. They put it in here and it showed you what it was. But the point is, this is meant to be entertaining. And so to entertainment, we have the whole gamut here. And I agree with that. I think for some people who are diehard fans like myself, you'll struggle a little bit to update the material. But the Valkenberg Institute itself, that's cool. That's cool to have a place to deal with that. It's a good glass walker place, I feel, or a retreat that you could really throw in. Um, the other aspect is Samuel Haight. Um, I may clown on the guy. I may think he's a bit ridiculous. Is our skin dancers cool? Yeah, yeah. And I think the start of him being there is a is a villain. He's like the Doctor Doom of the Worm in that point, right? Whenever you go to kill Doctor Doom, it was a Doom bot the whole time, right? You never quite kill Doctor Doom. You just slow him down. And Samuel Hates kind of build that way, and it's interesting for all the ridiculous notions. His cousins were in this institute, and why would he want to be that? But because he felt he was deserving. All that stuff can compound and make it interesting, um, but it would take the, the right kind of people to to decide that's what it is. So um, I'm going to say it's a very neutral read we have here at 25 uh, as, to, as to feelings here. 
I, I like Solana Maya. I respect the hell out of your viewpoint to be call it what it is. Uh, it's confusing and I wouldn't necessarily use it. But I like that fresh perspective that if I was new, I wouldn't really know what the hell was going on. You know, you read that werewolf base book, you roll into this and you're expected to be a certain way. And it's kill the worm, deal with the BSDs, you know, Gaia. And this is throwing you curves that mm, I don't know if I would do that so soon. That that would definitely uh, put a kink in the slinky and um, and whatnot. But uh, final thoughts, Nick? Um, it's not. They're, they're where they are, man. Like I said, it's not an unusable book. There's there's a lot of stuff in here. Maybe I would throw out the maps. Maybe I throw out the pre-generated characters and stuff like that. But ideas, strategies, things that go into place. Uh it's it's always usable for me because it doesn't matter what it is. I'm always going to make it my own anyways. I get that. I get that. So what I will say, um, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, it was it was a joy to go through this. I appreciate uh, different perspectives and whatnot. Slonim, thanks for breaking the cherry as far as the terms of uh, jumping on board, having a, having a new voice and perspective. Uh, we do not look for necessarily experts in content. We look for differing viewpoints and people with the courage to stand up and just say, hey, what they think. Uh, no matter what, and kind of giving them that voice box to do so uh, on certain materials, such as this one. Um, so I appreciate that. Thank you for being on here. My pleasure. Uh, Brennan, whatever. Um, and Nick, thanks, man. I appreciate it. That's it. I'm teasing, Brennan. Thank you, buddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening and tune in next time. Uh, we'll see you in a week. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25yearsvtm.com on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25yearsvtm or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com If you would like to support us we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade